3 to us on Pope St. John Paul II by Father Greg Morgan. One of my great heroes in the sainthood, Pope John Paul II, from a very young age had a, a marvellous impact on my spiritual life, on my love for the church and my passionate search for truth. He was such an astonishing human being. And there are two attributes or two characteristics that I really wanted to sort of bring to the fore. And the first is very simple. The first was simply his humanity. What an incredible human being. Uh, which I think is something that we often neglect to examine, how important our humanity is. And the second thing I, I wanted to say a little bit about is just a, is about his capacity to witness without fear. But just going back to the first point about being a human being, in the church's life, particularly when it comes to the formation of priests, we talk about four areas of formation. We talk about the intellectual, the pastoral, the spiritual, and the human. And there's always a question they ask you. They say, which is, do you think is the most important? More often than not, most would say the spiritual is probably the most important. Some might say, well, then maybe the, the academic. Some say well, the pastoral is perhaps even more important. But people often think the humans, out of all those four areas, is the least important. But actually, Pope John Paul II was very clear about it. He said the most important area of formation is your humanity. Because your humanity becomes the bridge with which people encounter Jesus Christ. So if you're not alive to grace, if you're not a joyful person, if you're not searching for virtue, uh, if you have no compassion or charity in your heart, then everything else falls by the wayside. You, you might be able to, you know, in some respects, sit in a church all day, but if you can't be a witness to that life of grace in the world, then in a certain sense it, it goes nowhere, it becomes insular. So take this incredible man, Karol Wotiwa, who was astonishing for various reasons, but he was just a man that was just so human. And what I mean by that, it was... He was not a weirdo, he was someone who was a great mind, he loved study, he was an actor, uh, he had a passion for life, he loved friendship, he loved having a good time, he loved going for walks. So he was someone who immersed himself in the world. He, he wasn't what we say, like a, a ghetto Catholic, he was someone that really wanted to bring the faith out into the world and allow just the joy of being a Catholic to permeate our culture, which I think is so fundamentally important for us. Um, I think there is a tendency in a time when the church is under scrutiny or in some places very excessive persecution that we are sort of inclined to retreat from the world and, and create little safe spaces, Catholic safe spaces. But John said, no, 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 no. Being a Catholic is all about living life to the full. And that means enjoying life. It doesn't mean committing mortal sin. You know, to enjoy life doesn't mean to commit mortal sin, but to be fully alive means to be a person in the world enjoying all the gifts that God gives us to be creative, to be dynamic, to enjoy our friendships and to enjoy life. So that gave me great confidence as a priest that, you know, I'm, I'm ready to die for the church. You know, you want to die for Christ, you want to do something noble. But at the same time, you want to live life to the full and thrive, enjoying all the wonderful things that God gives us. So I think that's the first thing to say. What an incredible human being. And he really shows us, if you're a human being, who is afire with grace, loves life and loves people, and is out in the world, then you can change society. But if you're hiding away being an insular Catholic, then you can't really evangelize. So I, I think there's a great inspiration there. The second thing then is about being a witness without fear. And I think the two things are interconnected, uh, because if we are a sort of a flourishing human being, then we've got something to witness to without even speaking as such. Catholics should be different in the way that they live. And in that sense is a wonderful homily in itself when you walk around in public 
there should be something about us that people say there's something different there. There's a peace, there's a serenity, uh, there's a joy. What does that person have that I don't have? And it's Christ. So Pope John Paul II was someone who thought that one of the greatest crises in the church is when we become fearful. If a bishop becomes fearful, or a priest becomes fearful, or a Catholic layperson becomes fearful, then we become silent. When we become silent, that means the gospel's not being preached, and quite often that means governments and the secular becomes more tyrannical. And we know that John Paul II was a fearless witness against the ravages of communism. And almost single-handedly, one man defeated communism in Eastern Europe. Now, that is an astonishing thought. And all it hinged upon was his fearlessness, because he was so staunchly convinced about the goodness of Christ, the Church, and what the Church's social teaching had to offer the world. But there's always a price for that fear, and I think this is where our fear kicks in, because naturally we want to hold something back for ourselves, we're concerned about being maliciously attacked, or our name scorned, or being unpopular. But Pope John II gave us a wonderful example of how we have to sort of extricate those very selfish thoughts, and replace them with the say, well, no, no, no. If I'm really in love with Christ and the Church, then I should be unafraid to speak about it. You know, I think it was St. Gregory of Nyssa who said, you know, our lips exist for one reason and one reason only. Ultimately, for one reason and one reason only, and that is to proclaim the Gospel. There's nothing more marvellous that we can speak about than Christ. But how often do we speak about it? So, John Paul II, as I said, was this fearless witness to the language of the Gospel. But he also reminded that there is a price to pay for that. And I was always visibly moved um, when I ever looked at that picture of him when he was shot uh, by that uh, possibly a communist terrorist on the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima, 1981. As you're probably familiar with, he was being driven through St. Peter's Square and he was shot four times and then fell into the arms of his private secretary and begins to pour out blood onto the streets of Rome, which in itself is a profound witness because that's what the martyrs and the saints have done for centuries. St. Peter himself dying, pouring out his blood onto the streets of Rome, which is the seeds of our own faith. That's what gives rise to the new evangelization. And I was so moved by the words that he spoke then, Mary, my mother, Mary, my mother. As he was shot, the first thing he turns to is Our Lady. And then, as I said, he goes, after recovering, to the very cell of the person who attacks him. And that very moving photo, where again we see you know, the Catholic faith really at work, where the first thing he does, he goes over and hunches over and holds the very hand of the man who pulls the trigger to kill him and forgives him. And what's so shocking and striking about that photo is, unlike so much in our day and age, there's no cosmetic adjustment, no Photoshop, no half-heartedness, no feigned acting. Uh, This was a man who was being a fearless witness, not only to truth, but to mercy. Now, that's an incredible power incredible power and you ask yourself well where does that come from well it only comes from one source and that that is that he was a man who was convinced of his own need of mercy and in a day and age when the sacrament of confession is becoming more and more neglected people seem to sort of live as if they have no sin and we've lost that consciousness to sin the sad aspect of that is that people no longer feel the need for mercy and you know i believe you know when going when you go to confession when you go to confession and you hear the words of absolution, the peace that you feel at that moment is the closest, this is again 
like empirically incorrect, but the closest we get to feeling what heaven is like, the closest we get to feeling what heaven is like, complete peace and the certain knowledge that we have been forgiven. So I could talk about Pope John Paul II for years, but just to conclude, two very powerful lessons for Catholics in the 21st century. To never think that to be a Catholic means to be a morbid or a dry or an arid or, or a sad or dowd-faced person. No, Catholics have to be, should be, fully alive, dynamic human beings that are joyful, intelligent, creative. As I said, enjoying life, but enjoying life does not mean committing mortal sin. That, that takes away our life. So the church wants to give us back our life. Christ wants to give us back our life. And then the second thing is to be a fearless witness, to be a fearless witness to hope and to love. And what does that mean? It means not being abashed about speaking up about your faith in public. When the faith is being mocked, have the courage to write something in response. Put our minds to work. Um, when we are confronted about something that, that unsettles us, rather than staying quiet, say what we think. In love and with charity. Because without us being vehicles and mechanisms of the gospel, of the language of the gospel, then it becomes stifled, it becomes silent, and that means that we are not giving the world the one thing that will give the world what it really most needs and deserves, and that is Christ. So, Pope John Paul II, we pray that you will inspire us, inspire a new generation of priests, inspire a new generation of active lay people to follow your example, to be human beings who are fully alive to grace, but fearless witnesses to the truth.